Did you know one in five Americans live with a mental health problem? <laughs> that means unless you live in a cave, you know someone personally dealing with these issues. So join us and our special guests as we answer your questions, share real stories, and work to pull the curtain back on how stigma impacts our everyday lives and our communities. We believe that making a real impact happens best with candid conversations, laughter, and tears. We are your hosts, Jennifer Teague and Josh Moore, and this is Impact Stigma. Good morning, evening, or afternoon. I about messed up my own tagline. <laughs> Good morning, evening, or afternoon, Josh. How are you? It's definitely one of those days. Oh gosh, it's one of those weeks, and I think this week in particular is we all get we all get a free pass for being a little wonky. It's totally okay. Yeah. So we just did something pretty fun this past weekend. We, we did. Do? We did. So for all of you out there who have heard us talk about Josh's extraordinary talent for photography. Uh, Greg and I decided to do an engagement shoot just for fun and hired Josh to come along with his lovely wife, Jody, who mm-hmm. I finally got to meet. I'm so happy. And um, we had the best time at Roan Mountain. So Josh did our photo shoot, and it's, it was beautiful. Do you know the next day they closed that entire area we were off because of that sinkhole in the, ro- in the road? No. So you still can't get up there. Wow. That thing that had the cone in it? Yeah. Okay. So the very next day it was closed. Wow. Well, I'm glad we went when we we did, for sure. So there was one part that I really liked. I was sitting on the ground. Yeah. And I'm photographing you and Greg as you're coming up. And you look over at me and you go, do I look fat? Josh, what? And I was was like, no. But I I was (laughs) like, you should probably turn this way. And Greg you were looks, like, I'm only trying to help. Yeah. And Greg looks over and he's like, no, you look great, honey. And I looked over at Greg and I went, that's great. You nailed it, man. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, um, you know, he's just being honest. Uh-huh. He's just being honest. No, I'm just kidding. That was really funny. That was one of my favorite parts. Josh definitely made our, our engagement uh, photo shoot fun and because I don't really necessarily enjoy having my picture taken. Nobody does. And I'm not good at it. <laughs> Nobody likes to kiss in front of other people. Um, I didn't really mind that as much as I just didn't like how I didn't know what to do with my face. Yeah. So I'm like, do I smile? Do I do, like, blue steel? <laughs> like, what were, do I do with my face? You were like, Ricky Bobby, what do I do with my hands in the interview? <laughs> I know. Except for your face. That's my favorite. Oh, my gosh. I love that movie. I can, yep. I really do. Talladega Nights. If you want to know one movie that I will watch a thousand times just for the stupidity of it is Talladega Nights. I know it. Just saying. Shake and bake. I know. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to talk. I'm just going to keep laughing. All right. This podcast has, you know, given Josh and I the opportunity um, to meet so many incredibly wonderful guests and share their powerful, powerful stories with all of you wonderful listeners out there. I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to all of our past guests for your vulnerability and for the impact we know you are continuing to make in the lives of our listeners and those they love for sure. Um, Impact Sigma is also all about reaching out to all of you with relatable stories we share together and making an immediate impact in the lives of our listeners by having important conversations about topics that hit close to home. Today, we are talking about stigma as it relates to mental health treatment and specifically regarding how it affects children and youth in need of help. Our guest today is the site director for Frontier Health's Adventure Program. This program is for youth under 17 that are struggling with substance use disorder and typically have co-occurring mental health issues as well. Miranda Connor 
um, has her MS, her LPC, her LPC-MHSP. I got all the acronyms, y'all. She also is EMDR certified, CSOTP, and is almost finished with her MDRIA or EMDRIA um, consultant training program. She is quite passionate about what she calls her babies and is joining us today to share her story and talk about the stigma about mental health and getting treatment is hurting our children and our youth. So without further ado, will you please join me in welcoming Miranda Connor to Impact Stigma? Thank you guys so much for having me. My whole vibe today is going to be shake and bake now that you've said that. So oh, we, we usually always give our guests something to leave yes, with. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If you could live, leave with one thing. Shake and bake. Shake, Shake and, and bake. bake. Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yeah. All right. So one thing I do every single time just because it's very important is our disclaimer. And that is, as always, we strive for candid, open, and sometimes even humorous conversations here on Impact Stigma. So please remember, this podcast is never intended to be a substitute for professional advice, formal diagnosis, or treatment for mental and behavioral health issues. If you need further assistance or have questions, please visit the Frontier Health website at FrontierHealth.org for more information. If you or someone you love has an urgent mental health need, please call 877-928-9062 and our 24-7 Frontier Health crisis team will be there to help. If you, your child, or someone you know is in danger of suicide, go to the nearest emergency room or call 911. All right, so one of the things we like to do to get to know our guests is to ask them a couple random questions. So, what is your favorite type of food? Not your favorite style. Okay. You know, like, what if you're craving something, what are you craving? I am a huge fan of Indian food. And there is a little place in Knoxville, and they have this dish called Non Chos. Mm -hmm. And it's deep-fried non bread. With all of the sauces, chicken, hmm. veggies, like that Sounds is good. that's my jam right there. And only recently discovered Indian food, so I'm making up for lost time. Um, Weirdly enough, we have never had a single guest say Indian food. Yeah, I've never. So had you Indian are food. a fit. You're a first. Um, Sahib in yeah, Johnson City. Sahib is so good. The bomb.com. Absolutely, it's they have delicious. really good curry. Yes, absolutely. You might smell funny for a day or two after you eat curry. Uh, Yes, it's very uh, potent. Mm -hmm. But so when I was doing Weight Watchers, very low calorie, even the non. So you get to feel bread or eat bread and feel good about it. So my question is, um, I love quotes. I'm a big quote person. Anybody here at Frontier Health, most of the time, it's it's blank right now because I need a new one. But I have a whiteboard. I always put a quote, and people can walk by and see them. So what is your favorite quote, Miranda? Um, I would probably say Brene Brown because yes. holy moly, love. Um, but it says you can either be comfortable or you can be courageous. You can't be both. Yes. And so every day it kind of gives me that motivation. I'm going to choose courageous. I think I'm going to use that day. one. Can I, can I yes, can absolutely. I well, okay. hey, Brene, let me use it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But anything by Brene Brown is motivating. I've read so. every single one of her books. They're so good. Read her books, guys. Yes, They're awesome. she's phenomenal. Okay, so I'm coming up with a new question I've never asked. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I don't okay. know. Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, or iPhone games? Uh, I would say I'm going to have to go old school and say Nintendo because okay. that's probably like when the height, peak, and retirement of my gaming 
took place on the Nintendo slash Super Nintendo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a huge, uh, obviously, Mario Brothers. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, and, I can't help it. <laughs> and, and Ken Griffey Jr.'s Home Run Derby. Um, yeah, let me tell one. you something. That was uh, my jam. And then not really a huge gamer now. Although well, I tell my husband I could beat him in Madden. Well, my, my favorite all-time Super Nintendo game is Donkey Kong. Uh, yes. That makes sense for yeah. you. Yeah. I yeah. love Donkey Kong. Yep. That's a classic as well. I was yes. a Zelda fan. <gasps> okay. I played, played Zelda until I almost cried. I, I got, I killed, I went through the levels. Yes. Got, beat it and then erased it and started all over again. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was that one was a good one. And I feel like you only got um, like the Sega Genesis to play Sonic the Hedgehog. And then yeah. I don't know that there was much else that people did with that. So. There wasn't. No. But I'm I'm right there with you. I'm a Nintendo yes, person myself. For absolutely. Sure. All right. If you could be any animal in the whole wide world, what animal would you be and why? Hmm. I've asked this many times, but it's yes. funny to hear people's answers because they're they're really telling. Yeah. I feel like I probably at least like what would match my personality the best would probably be like a wolverine because they look super cute, but then they'll like claw your eyes out. And yes. so that probably would be that's me, adorable. Because I couldn't be something too cute because people who've been around me are like, girl, you're playing. Um, <laughs> but I also couldn't be something like way too ferocious because I definitely am like a mix of yeah uh, of glitter and darkness, I guess, maybe. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. What would you be? What would you be, Josh? You've answered this before. Yeah, a bear. Be? Yeah, a, a bear. bear. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Blue. I think Kinda I... chill. Yeah. Oh, oh you're yes. totally that. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I, I go back that. and forth. I like dragons. Okay, yes. Yeah, I'm a but, big dragon fan. But dragons aren't real. Or unicorns. Well, that, I don't remember there was any kind of disclaimer that has to be a real animal. I animal, Josh. Um, because I'll be honest, when I, when I tell people, I'll all the time say, oh, that's my spirit animal. It's normally a person or Cardi B. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. I got you. Well, I think a unicorn's good because, I mean, at least they're they're pretty and they're, like, graceful and all that stuff, but they could also stab you with that horn. Absolutely. So, you know. Absolutely. Anyway. All so right. if you wanted to be a real unicorn, I guess you'd be a narwhal. It'd be yeah. a big whale with a... <laughs> <laughs> Narwhals are awesome. Yeah. Hush your mouth. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You're picking on my weight today, and I'm getting married on Saturday. What is your problem? <sighs> oh... Josh. It's all right. I charge you extra for that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. Miranda and I did have the chance to kind of get to know each other over the last few weeks. And I have to say, personally, your passion for what you do is very contagious. It really is. So I can't wait for our listeners to hear about your story. So if you would if you would please, please, please kind of Share with our listeners all about where you started, um, a little bit about you, and how you became the site director for Adventure Program. Okay. The floor is yours. Um, absolutely. Well, I did not grow up thinking that I wanted to be a therapist. Like, that was not even a thing um, that I interacted with when I was a kid. But I joined the Marine Corps when I was 20. I actually took my brother. Um, well, thank you for your service. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Um, I, I took him to an interview with the recruiter, and I left a month later. Um, so it's totally like spontaneous, like, let's just go. But I was like a knucklehead kid. And so I think that's why I love doing what I do, because that was so me. Um, and so I didn't have anything better going on. So I was like, well, why not? Let's just go. And it changed my life. Yeah. Um, and so when, while I was in the military, some of the job that I did was kind of serving 
the Marines in our battalion. And so it really kind of bit me with this love of serving. And when I got out, I took, you know, the good old psych 101 class and was like, holy moly, um, I do well in this. I don't really have to study. So some of it might have been a splash of laziness. Um, but <laughs> then I, it just took me. And so I, I got my bachelor's degree in psychology. And then uh, I got my graduate degree in counseling and human development. Then started, you know, at, in my grad program, I said I will never work with teenagers and I never want to work with trauma. And so I'd now tell people never say never because all I've ever done in the almost nine years that I've been doing this um, is exactly that. But I did intensive in-home while I was working on my master's, and that's I got all the tough, mean babies, and I fell in love with some conduct-disordered youth and how real they were. And so I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And so I have done every type of therapy that exists for teenagers. And shout out to Kendra Cook. She's the reason I'm at Adventure. She was my supervisor, said, girl, you've got to do this. This was made for we you. We really like Kendra. Oh, I love Kendra. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, girl, this is this was made for you. And I went there and I absolutely like fell in love with Adventure. And if ever I felt like like destiny fell into place, that's how I, I felt since that. I've been there in February. And so, I mean, it's every day, it's one of those, you're excited to go into work. It's never the same. And, you know, we meet some of the neatest kids that make the biggest impact on me every day. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It is wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. So today we're going to be talking about several things and kind of taking a multifaceted approach to our conversation So I would like us to kind of begin by talking specifically about mental health and the adolescent population that you work with. So um, as a, you know, as a mental health advocate, what do you think contributes the most to adolescent mental health issues? The absolute fear that us as adults have about acknowledging these real serious issues taking place in our children. I think that that's one of the hardest parts and and our willingness as adults to have uncomfortable conversations with our kids and say hey like I've noticed so I think it's easier you know even myself as a parent to say oh yeah that would never happen to my kid but then looking at the statistics of children with depression and anxiety especially you know on the outskirts of this pandemic being willing to say like hey what's really up with you or talking to your kid about depression and being willing to hear what they really have to say on the other side yeah because I think that's like the hardest why do you thing. think they have parents have such a hard time talking about that because I'm asking you that for a reason so I found a stat statistical piece of mm-hmm. knowledge mm-hmm. that said you know a lot of people don't realize that Mental health isn't always hereditary. So, like, mm-hmm. if the parents think I don't have depression, then the kids shouldn't have depression. And they try to lump mental health into something that's long term. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's short term. Sometimes yep. it's like, you know, episodal, like someone has a really bad trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've talked about my daughter before and she lost her friend. And yep. um, so she's she went through some stuff. She was very excited to have therapy, and it has brought her out on the other side, and she's doing phenomenally well. But she did feel depressed for a while. She lost one of her best friends. She passed away, so it was really hard. So that's what I'm asking. Like, are parents afraid to talk to their kids about it because they don't see it as an issue because they don't have to deal with it? Or is it more like just just the topic is too hard? 
I think it might be a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also we're ill-educated, like especially in this generation that, you know, I have the conversation all the time of depression is not sweatpants, a pint of ice cream, and Lifetime movies. It can look very different for everybody. And so we may have a kiddo who's super irritable. You start digging, oh, they're having a hard time sleeping. Their eating habits have changed. I'm like, uh, that sounds like a lot like depression. And the parents think, oh, it's teenage angst. Um, and I think that gets overused a lot. Or, oh, my kid's just defiant, um, and they don't want to look at the mood issues that can present as defiance or agitation. But also, whether it is like the parent may not have mental health issues, or it may be they're doing a really good job pretending like they don't have mental right. health issues. Um, and they're, you know, maybe a distractor and like a workaholic or whatever it is, just so right. they don't have to deal with it. And if they brought it up with their kid, it, they might have to look in the mirror and see a little That's bit of right. yourself or feel like they might, I think some parents are afraid they've contributed. I and know I've, I've, I mean, that's something I talk about, you know, openly just because I am a domestic violence survivor. And while I protected my children, they were still affected. They still got hurt. They were still traumatized. And, you know, I had to get out of my own head and say, all right, I didn't cause that. But, um, you know, it's my job as their mom to give them every, you know, opportunity to help heal from that and be willing to heal myself. And that was really hard, and and I noticed, you know, there's just, it's hard. It was hard for me. I'm sure it's hard for people. It's not an easy thing, you know, to accept. Yeah, and there's, a like, there's an aspect of vulnerability mm-hmm. as families Yeah, to really put it out there and say, hey, this is what we're doing, right. or this is what's going on behind closed doors. Because, because stigma. There is such a stigma yeah. of you're supposed to look this way. We've got yep. social media. You know, everybody's happy. Everybody's taken care of. They have all the things, and... Yeah. Uh, we would we don't want to say, oh hey, we have a, a, a son or daughter that that struggles with depression or anxiety or suicidality or you know on and on the list, right? So what do you wish adults knew about adolescent mental health? I wish they knew that young people are so much more willing to talk about it than we give them credit for mm-hmm. as adults. All they need is a safe place that actually will be willing to listen and not like I said be that that negative response like they're not going to get in trouble right if they say hey because one of the hardest ones is when you talk to kids about suicidality yeah because let me tell you about the the one that's going to get a guardian or a parent bawling their eyes out in the session is when kids say you know what hey I have thought about dying yeah. and then so educating the family of like hey that's an, a very common mm-hmm. feeling which is really scary but that when we make it a not a safe place to talk about that, then they're in their head thinking that. Like, we right. don't take the thought away by refusing to talk about it. So not immediately freaking out, not screaming at them. Uh, or I hear all the time kids say, you have such a good life. Why would you? Like, that's not what it's about. Yeah. Um, it's like looking underneath the pain or the hopelessness. And so that's a tough, that's a tough place. And so I wish parents and, and even just adults in general knew kids are so much easier to talk about this stuff with if you are willing and they know if you're uncomfortable right and so being willing to own it and say hey you know what this is a really tough topic or I don't even know what to say but I'm here like just being real with kids because they know if you're faking it and they don't trust you for anything after that and they know if you're just like feeding them some stuff so just being willing to say hey I'm here I don't know what to say but let's go through it together they are so willing more so than adults I think I love that I really, really do. I think this is very important to hear yeah. for me and for any parent out there, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. All right. When it comes to teenagers, 
how do they seek help for mental health issues that is very different from adults? And what would you tell our listeners is the biggest challenge for them? I think the biggest difference is kids probably seek help more through peers because they don't have the power to call up the local you know, Watauga Behavioral Health and say, hey, I need an appointment. Right. So they then rely on parents. And so if there is that stigma or that, you know, fear in the home, like, oh, I don't want to tell my parents. I don't want them to know. I don't want to worry them. Yeah. They're going to seek peers, like people that are easy to interact with. You know, thank goodness for school-based um, mental health providers. Yes. Um, so probably those ways. Forums online, which could be like super exciting and scary um, as all get out at the same time, depending on what's going on. I think they seek those things. They do a lot of reading and research. Like I meet so many kids that are so researched in mental health, which is exciting, but depending on then where they're researching. So they don't right. have that same power. And that, I think that's like the biggest. They may not know to uh, go over to Google, you know, Google Scholar and read white papers that are, in- instead are of written by doctors and Wikipedia. And yeah, yeah, they're just listening to, you know, whatever's going on on TikTok or Unfortunately, that's just just kind of where they hear their message. Absolutely. And so that's the challenge as well is that they are getting information from peers, which I tell them all the time. Hey, uh, you know, Billy Bob, I didn't know that he had a master's degree in counseling. Like he's, he has no idea. So that's a challenge for them. And then again, going right back to that struggle with adult and kid conversations about mental health. Like when do we... Like, do we have that conversation of, hey, have you ever thought about therapy? Or let's look into therapy together and see what we can do to improve our relationship that you do not have to be the the other bad C word crazy, right? I hate that word. To to benefit from mental health, it maybe it's just support. And teenage times, that's one of the hardest times of our lives. Our brain is developing like nobody's business. And yeah. a lot of stuff is happening socially. Why not have somebody to support us? Well, we say it a lot on here, and that is, you know, we go to the doctor to have our lungs checked and our heart checked and our physicals and make sure our body's intact and everything's going okay. Why not? Why is it so faux pas and so bad to check in with a mental health provider and make sure you're okay if you're just feeling off? There's nothing wrong with with that. So I hope that people can hear that if your teenagers, just because your teenagers are out there doing what you think is typical teenage behavior, you know, like dig deeper, make sure you ask questions and, and like be open to the fact that they may need help. And, you know, it's okay for them to, ch- to, to get that checked out. In fact, I would highly recommend it. You just don't really know what's really going on. Absolutely. And, and you don't want them to learn from social media. You really don't. Absolutely. So within our communities, how can we make an impact, you know, as it relates to adolescent mental health? Well, I think for community members, it's like, Pay attention to the teenagers that you're around or you interact with. I mean, it's like a boots on the ground um, kind of force that we have to have is, you know, have that conversation or even just telling people, hey, you know what? I care about you. Um, If it's a kid in your youth group or somebody that you set the same little bagger that you always get at the grocery store. Right. Hey, you know what? I've been thinking about you. How you been? You know what's going on? Just starting a conversation with those kids that we interact with and paying attention because when you see those same kids over and over you can tell and say hey you know what you seem off today what's up that can be probably some of the biggest impact and it's doing that uncomfortable thing like when we get that little tug and it's like I'm gonna ask little Bobby how's he doing it's like no I probably shouldn't be nosy no do it those tugs are for a reason and so again it's back to that being being willing to be uncomfortable what a difference that could make Mm -hmm. yeah I love that you're like hey step out from behind your phone 
Yes. And pay attention to who's in front of you and stop being afraid to have a verbal communication with another human being. Absolutely. Especially well, teenagers. Absolutely. Because they, they, they don't already, talk anymore. They're just on their phone. That's what I'm saying is we're already behind the power curve of we're not having face-to-face conversations. We're not, we don't know how to not shoot a text to somebody. And then there's so much you don't know from having a text. Yeah. So it's like. Like making eye contact, <laughs> looking at somebody's body language, right? 70% of our communication is our body language. Like right. looking at their body language and say, hey, what's up with you today? Absolutely. So can you share just a little about your thoughts on how social media, like we were just talking about, and we talked about this a little bit in, mm-hmm. a, in my office the other day, um, movies and media create stigma and how it directly affects the adolescent population from your personal experience and professional experience. Yes, absolutely. I think when we were talking, I was telling you of a study we were doing an adventure yeah. um, a couple weeks ago about, yeah, that's what I was thinking about current media and the way that it portrays mental health. And, you know, when you look at, you know, social media and those overused mental health kind of keywords of, oh, you're so bipolar. Oh my goodness. I'm so, those are so misused. And so kids, then because of that, or they're like, oh, I like things tidy, I'm OCD. No, that's not what that is. And so these are overused in a way that it miseducates other people. And it's, it's given a negative connotation. So when somebody's acting out, then I hear the, oh, they're such a psycho, right? And I'm like, that doesn't Ugh. even exist, right? Like, what are you doing? So then it's like you can't have big emotions. Yeah. But then in modern cinema, they, it's so exaggerated, the mental health issues. And that's scary because again, it's like, oh no, I couldn't have this because it doesn't look like this. Or, oh my goodness, look at what this person's doing. Or oftentimes when the mental health issue is presented, that person is normally the killer, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. there's never, hey, this is a really great person. They're the antagonist. Yeah. And the same thing about, uh, you know, some friends of um, mine and myself, we talk about like mental health providers presented Mm -hmm. in modern cinema. We're either wearing a tweed sweater vest or we are (laughs) messed up ourselves and doing harm to a client. So it's like we're not even presenting therapy in appropriate ways. That's true. That's really, I'm glad you threw that out there because that's not something we normally grab and, and touch on, but you're exactly right. And that's, that's a tragedy. Yes. Well, and so then when people meet me, they're like, oh, but I never thought you were a therapist. What does a therapist look like? Right. We're not all Mr. Rogers, although shout out love some Mr. Rogers. That's not who we love. We all are. And so that therapy is going to look different for different people because we all have different needs. But it's just so misrepresented because that's that wow factor. That's that, you know, it sells movie tickets. But what are we doing to our society when we are misrepresenting issues that are so common now and are only going to get more common as we keep having these mega stressors. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just, I don't know, my thought was, you know, Josh and myself and you and our generation had the distinct ability to separate this is a movie because we didn't have phones all the time and now I'm going to go play outside and have conversations with my friends And then when I get pushed, I mean, I got bullied a little bit. So, you know, you get pushed around and bullied. You learn how to have a conversation or you go talk to somebody about it or, you know, you fix it. But now it's like everything's so, we're just so inundated with that aspect of marketing and media and like making sure that you have to have your attention on it. They want to keep your attention. So they're going to make it really ridiculously overdone, like you said. And there's no break. The kids aren't playing outside. The kids aren't taking a break. They're not, you know, now they're even online for school because of COVID. They're so Mm -hmm. detached. They're so disconnected. And 
I think that's why I really wanted to do this podcast was I'm like, I've got teenagers Mm -hmm. and they are wonderful students, wonderful children. I'm very proud of my kids, but I'm not a flipping perfect parent. I didn't do Mm -hmm. everything perfect. And there's things I've struggled with. And I was just extremely interested after I met you because this is something I think a lot of parents out there kind of don't know what the heck to do because Mm -hmm. we've, none of us have ever dealt with COVID. None Mm -hmm. of us have ever dealt with that. And it just put a whole nother like big, like whammy on the whole, okay, we're on phones and we're looking at this, but now we're really stuck. Mm -hmm. Now we're really disconnected. And now we really need to talk about mental health issues with adolescents because they're going to be the most hurt right now. They were the ones stuck at home trying to make school happen and figure themselves out and just thrown into something you know, not us. We have, we at least can pull back from our, our past and say, there were a time when I, I wasn't on my phone. I know how to change. I know how to separate myself. They don't. Absolutely. So I think that's absolutely. why I wanted to make sure we talked about this really big and made oh, a big yeah. deal out of it. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, and that's one thing, you know, even parents and families, they don't even sit down and eat dinner no. together or I, meals we try, together. We just, you know. Right. And that's one thing, you know, at Adventure, they walk in the door, they give up their cell phones, and they're, it's gone all day mm-hmm. while they're there. Good. But we sit around and eat our meals together as a group. And the staff makes a purpose, purposeful effort to be out there. We're sitting, we're talking to them, we're checking in with these kids. And so many of them say, like, oh, I've never done this before. Wow. I and can't so, wait to come. Yeah. When they, when, so when they get the opportunity, they put the, the, the tables out you know, especially now as COVID restrictions are easing. And then they're like, let's sit around the table, you know, Miss Miranda, come over here. So how exciting it is because they want to have that interaction with somebody. Wow. And so it's like even little easy things like that. Even if you want to eat on the couch, like everybody eat together, not, you know, somebody's taking their mac and cheese to the bedroom and the other one's over here. Like even just 15 minutes of talking and not just accepting, oh, today was good. Yeah. Digging deeper. I need to work on that. I do. I need to work on that. I think we all kind of, I know I got stuck in a rut because of COVID. Yeah. I hate it. So we're working on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Our conversation today is not just about teens and mental health stigma. We are also looking at the stigma that surrounds actual treatment for mental health issues as well. Miranda has been working with children and youth for most of her career and shared with me that she has used many proven methods for treating mental health issues. One of the areas that she is highly trained in and has been seeing incredible results um, with the youth served at Adventure Program is EMDR therapy. So we are going to take a quick break to share a word from our episode sponsor, Food City. Thank you, Food City. And then we will be right back to hear more about this incredible therapy. I'm here with a Food City All-Star Shopper after another stellar go-kart curbside pickup performance. Shelly, how do you do it? <laughs> well, Howard, it takes determination to ensure every customer gets groceries exactly the way they like it. Every cut of meat, every piece of produce is chosen with the customer in mind. That's what it takes to be a champion. There you have it. Order online from Food City and experience go-kart curbside pickup at the highest level. Hello everyone, like what you're hearing so far? Well, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button right now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you, and we greatly appreciate your support. So let's get back to the show. All right, Miranda, so what does EMDR actually stand for, and how does it actually work? Okay, it is Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Therapy. And it is a therapy that mimics our rapid eye movement sleep. 
and processes things in the brain. It's been around for over 25 years. I think it's closer to 30 now. Francine Shapiro, RIP, she came up with it um, and learned that darting her eyes back and forth on a path in Central Park made her not stress out about stuff. So she started trying it on her friends, and it's been, you know, hanging tough ever since. Mm -hmm. Has hundreds of protocols that can treat anything. You know, it started out as a trauma-focused therapy. Francine, right before she passed away, she said she wanted EMDR to stand for Every Mental Disorder Recovered. So she wanted it to branch out to be a treatment for everything. So it's a really neat, there's, you know, it's literally eye movements. We're moving your eye, move your eyes in a, in a specific type of pattern um, with bilateral stimulation, whether it is moving our fingers. Um, I like to use buzzies. There's light bars, you know, the nines that talks directly to your brain and we just kind of follow it. And it sounds like voodoo magic, but it's so much greater than that. So what areas of mental health treatment can we use EMDR for? Anything. I'll be honest. Just since I've been trained for over six years, everything from, again, migraines, nightmares, psychosis, um, depression, disordered eating, I mean, substance use, any and everything. I've done it with clients that had a big court hearing that they just wanted to be less stressed in mm-hmm. in the witness box. I mean, any any and everything, when I look at a client, I'm like, how can we EMDR this? Yeah. So there's there's very little that can kind of count you out from being a good prospect. All right. Miranda, you're almost at the highest level of training for this area of therapy. Can you spend a few minutes really deep diving into the hows and whys of EMDR therapy and how it enables um, people to heal from the symptoms and emotional distress that are a result of disturbing life experiences? Okay. Well, Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. The the way that it works, I mean, it is unlike any other therapy if it's not a talk therapy. So I can do deep trauma work with somebody and never know what your trauma was, and it does not impact your success. Wow. But not to mention, it is so tried and true with just the, just the research that for teenagers specifically, the Department of Justice, SAMHSA, World Health acknowledges it and trauma-focused CBT as the only proven trauma treatments for juveniles. Wow. Um, so, it, I mean, it's out there. The VA recognizes EMDR, and they are tough. Yeah. Um, they only have four treatments that they'll, they're willing to stand behind. And so it, it really follows and can access pre-verbal trauma in our brain, that stuff that is in that survival mode. So I've had clients that work on things that, you know, 18 months old. Yeah. They're processing trauma before they had words to describe what was going on. Right. They're aces, right? Absolutely. And so it just has a way of accessing things that words don't matter. And our brain knows where to take us to heal. And so if you kind of trust that process, it is profound medical issues that were, you know, like you brought up the ACEs, medical issues that were side effects of unresolved trauma. Right. Seeing people, you know, that are able to no longer be on oxygen or require a walking mechanism, you know, those kind of things, just because it was that trauma stored in the body. Yeah. There's a lot of things that, regarding the population you serve... What are some of the biggest fears you have encountered from the teens in the adventure program regarding treatment? And what is the reception you are seeing regarding EMDR therapy so far with them? The biggest fears they have is not understanding therapy in general. So then when you're like, hey, I'm going to do this really intense thing, that kind of freaks them out a little bit. 
they love EMDR. And I'll be honest, when I first started, I was just kind of like going to, you know, dab my toe in the pool a little bit. And we started, I started working with this one young man and he went out to the group and was like, OMG, Miss Miranda just did this thing. And the next day I came in and had six kids like, can you do that to me? So every day when I come in, that's the first thing when they see me. It's not, hello, Miss Miranda. It's, hey, can we do EMDR today? That's awesome. Um, so, we, I mean, we've had kids that process uh, memories from when they were four years old in pre-K. Wow. So that the, the results have promoted themselves word of mouth. So how long does EMDR usually last? It depends on the client. So there's a whole protocol of kind of how you work up to for that young man. We processed like a whole memory and changed it to positive in less than 20 minutes. Wow. Um, so it just depends on the client and how many sessions. It really is fast paced. And so I tell people it's about four regular psychotherapy sessions in one. So it's intensive. But as soon as they get a taste of that change, they and, and the, the change in their body, the way they feel, they're hooked and they're like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. So it's very fast, but it really just depends on the client. And then normally once we process through one thing, they're like, hey, let's do this other thing. And then it just goes from there. Well, mm. just a heads up, just for fun to see what it's like so I can speak to it more and mm-hmm. write about it and mm-hmm. share with our listeners because I know that's something that Frontier Health has really done a great job. We did some, vet, you know, work with some veterans for EMDR and some things like that. So I'm doing a little bit of trial and error and seeing how it goes. So I'll report back to you guys and and let you know how I feel and and kind of what my, you know, what my results are in a month or two and see where we are. Yeah. It's exciting and it's wonderful. Well, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Okay. So what would you like to share with our adult listeners that might have children or have friends with children regarding stigma and mental health treatments and specifically EMDR therapy? Don't be afraid to ask for it and, and do research. Um, MDRIA, which is E-M-D-R-I-A. You can go on there and, and what click. What does that stand for? It's the EMDR International Association. Okay. Um, so that's what my certification and all those trainings are through. It's kind of like the gold standard. So you can go on there and click find a therapist. And it will tell you and give you contact information for the therapist. So don't be afraid to ask for it. Hey, I was looking at this and this might be something that would be great for my kid. So don't be afraid to ask for it. And don't be afraid to ask for the credentials of your provider. That's probably the biggest thing. We've talked a little bit about how important it is to communicate with our children about therapy and their mental health. But I wanted to ask this question. So the reason is just like, can you come up with some tools or or tricks or not tricks, but you know, just like an approach that seems to be very positive for our parents and adults out there that need to approach a child or an adolescent about mental health um, what is a positive way for them to approach mental health treatment with their child when stigma is kind of the issue? When you know the kid is like, I don't need any help, or the parent is that, they're at the point where they're like, something's got to be done. What can they say? How can they approach it? What are some positive things they can do to kind of break the ice and make it a little easier? Well, I feel like being willing to do it with them and okay. say, hey, this is us together. It's not, hey, I'm going to drop you off so somebody will fix you. Being willing to say, hey, let's do this together. Let's do this treatment together. Let's look for family-focused um, ideas. Parents being open about their own mental health treatment. So if they have therapy, maybe they need it. I encourage parents to do it while I'm doing therapy with their kid. Hey, maybe you need mental health, and here's all these resources. So being able to say, hey, I, w- I have therapy. And, and really just having the conversation of, you know, what is therapy for? Let's look into it. Let's contact, oh, you know, aunt. Susie is a therapist. Let's talk to Aunt Susie and find out more about what therapy is. 
and who benefits from therapy. So it's just having a regular conversation instead of, hey, something's wrong with you and we've got to fix it and you're going to therapy as a punishment. That's that's yeah, probably the biggest piece. For sure. So what outcomes have you experienced with the youth served at the uh, adventure program receiving the EMDR? Kids that have never talked about or ever even disclosed certain aspects of trauma, processing through it and being able to talk about it and not, you know, not become sick, not start crying or become uncomfortable. Like they're feeling empowered in their story, which is the biggest piece. Yeah. And, and starting that healing process and getting excited about healing. Yeah. That, that's the biggest part of EMDR is getting excited about healing and being excited about doing tough work. Because it's normally, you know, you have to almost kick in and scream and drag teens into intensive work. They get excited and they're like, when, when can I do this? Even on my way here, they're like, hey, Miss Miranda, can we do EMDR today? And I'm like, when I get back from the podcast, guys, uh, <laughs> I got you. So uh, I hope they all listen. Yeah, well, I told them about it, right? So, Hey, guys, we love you. We're proud yes, of you. Yes, hello, babies. So, yeah, and so they're excited about doing tough, hard work. That right there is is a positive impact in the right direction. Awesome. So what should our listeners know before they try EMDR therapy or recommend it for a loved one? Again, research. Um, look into your clinician. Look at their credentials. Not all trainings are the same. And so, again, MDREA, gold standard, and it tells you everything. Um, I'm even on there. They'll tell you, you know, the background history, the populations I serve and have served. When I got trained, um, it has every bit of that on there. So really doing the research, ask the questions, um, because it is an intense therapy. And so just like, you know, sometimes we put more into buying a new car than we do in doing this thing that's yeah. going to change our whole life. So yeah. ask questions, um, you know, feel it out and see what you think. I was doing some research on EMDR because I just wanted to kind of familiarize myself with it a little bit more. And one of the things I, that popped up in the search engine was EMDR yourself, self MD, EMDR. And I was like, oh, I need to ask her no. if that's safe. No, <laughs> no, no, you cannot uh, process yourself. And so I'm, I've had extensive EMDR therapy. It's a, a requirement of the, the training level that I have. Um, and so I love EMDR if, I mean, I can't do it to myself. So that's just not appropriate. And you also, you know, these at-home things, no way, Jose. Like, not not happening. You're not going to try to, you know, give yourself open-heart surgery. Yeah. So let's make sure that you recognize that your mental health is just as important and just as specialized care just mm-hmm. like if you were having an issue with your with your body so yes. let's let's make sure that we're we're taking care of it with a specialist absolutely the training requirements are rigorous so that's why let us do it absolutely all right i have one last question that i ask every single person that sits absolutely. in your seat absolutely. and that is if you could step into our shoes on this podcast what would you have asked yourself that we didn't i feel like you guys did a great um job asking me and so i mean honestly maybe just about you know why like you know the why and so I'll be honest like the this things like this right the podcast is my why that people are willing to have conversation we're changing we're making we're making impacts on the world because there is a whole generation of wonderful young people that are struggling and hurting and they are some of the most amazing people I've ever met. I 100% um, agree That with deserve you. people that are willing to sit down around a table and have a conversation about them and what's in their best interest. So I love that. 
I can't wait to meet some of your babies. Oh, they're wonderful. You just tell them Jennifer's coming. I'll, I will. I'll tell them. <laughs> they, we love having visitors, and they might act good for about 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go, though, don't forget to like and subscribe, guys. Absolutely. It's free to subscribe. And it helps us. Yes. It really does. Because the more people that hear our stories and hear our podcast, you know, the more effects we're going to have and ripple effects we're going to have throughout the community and, and all of our listeners. And people's lives get to be changed when they hear the message. And not, I mean, not everybody listens to every single podcast, but every single podcast has a message for someone. Absolutely. Share it. Start a conversation with it. Be yeah. like, hey, I heard this podcast. Let's listen together. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you so much for your time today, Miranda. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been so much fun. So um, we are all, we are so, so glad you came. This has been such a cool conversation. I do want to say for our listeners, we really hope you enjoyed this episode of Impact Stigma. And thank you so much for joining us. We know that without all of you, we wouldn't be here. So thank you for being such incredible, supportive fans. <laughs> That's all I got. Yep. Yep. You got yep. Don't got you love yep. our fans? Come I do on love now, Josh. Our fans. All right. Josh loves you guys. And don't forget, please go make an impact. Stigma can make mental health problems worse and even stop a person from getting the help they need. Untreated mental illness places an enormous economic and emotional burden on our communities. Economic burden alone is in the billions, and that directly affects all of us. We all play a crucial role in creating a mentally healthy community. One that is inclusive, rejects discrimination, and supports recovery. For us at Impact Stigma, this is way more than just a podcast. It is about igniting our communities, sharing our stories, and working together with listeners like you. We invite you to find out more about Impact Stigma on our website at impactstigma.com. One way you can make an impact right now is by sharing our podcast with your friends and family because you never know when something we talk about might be the reason someone you love asks for help. Mental illness is not a personal failure. We can't do this without you. So if you feel inspired to get involved, first, subscribe to this podcast. Then go visit our website at impactstigma.com. Watch the video and read about how you can become an impact maker. Thank you for listening to Impact Stigma. You're so glad you chose us. We want to thank our guests again for sharing your impactful story and doing your part to Impact Stigma. Join us next time as we enjoy some laughs and hear impactful stories. Until then, this work needs you. So go be an impact maker. Thank you and be blessed.